Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special end of summer into school year episode. Gosh, that's a mouthful of Ignite Radio Live. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, and we are blessed to be with you. So, Stephanie, what an amazing summer. Our youngest is 16, and Anne-Marie, 23 years old, married this past summer, and uh, to our wonderful son-in-law, Colin, and little baby. Month after being married, May 29th, within the next month, they were pregnant, and so we're blessed to be on the journey as grandparents, as she shares with us, as they share with us the beautiful journey there. So I'd say that really kind of punctuates one of the major highlights of my summer, What's punctuated your summer? Well, that's pretty much the bold punctuation marks there, Gregory. Um, Just so many blessings of great interactions with family and friends and visits and just that uh, beautiful thing of community Mm. that we've been so blessed with. And let's uh, just acknowledge it's not been without tumult. We just need to say it, folks. We've got to be engaged. Again, being anchored in Jesus in a place of prayer, but we've got to be engaged in speaking, communicating, interacting appropriately about a lot of these issues. So I just want to ask you, Steph, maybe just a word. How have you, I don't know, been dealing with some of those struggles yourself? What advice might you give from your own experience? So I guess I would answer that question um, with Mass this past Sunday just going in very, very heavy hearted, mm. um, knowing that our fallen were coming, um, their bodies were being flown back mm. to the U.S. And later in the day, and um, yeah, just the mess of it all and the unnecessary everything. And um, I will hold back <laughs> from going on a political rant. Um but just really heavy thinking of those families and thinking of people we know who still mm. have, you know, family members over there and hearing the horrific stories of, you know, um, what seems to be prevention of uh, allowing good to happen and getting people out and such. So just kind of what a perfect place to be, right? Mm. To come before the Lord at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass at a place of you know, prayer in community. Mm-hmm. And so it, um, you and I were blessed to proclaim the word that day. And so I thought to myself, I need to get it together <laughs> before mm-hmm. I have to go up so real. to read because I, my heart was just so heavy. And, um, and so kind of praying through that space and the Lord just put on my heart, you know, the word worship, mm-hmm. you know, and so just that gift and in answer to your question, it kind of embodied itself at Mass on Sunday, like, yes, regardless of anything, in all things give thanks, you know, mm-hmm. always come to worship the Lord, that we, that is why we are created, right? We worship Him, we give Him thanks, we praise Him for His glory. And knowing that, you know, as you're speaking of that anchor, you know, that's where it needs to be. So in answer to your question, I think that's one of the ways that I've been blessed you know, um, and I do, I've shared this on our show before, get frustrated mm. with good Christian people who are like, well, you know, turn off the news and just pray. And mm-hmm. there's a balance. We should always be praying, even while we're listening <laughs> to the news. Um, but we need to be informed. We need, you know, something else that I had shared. And if I may, you know, Please. go off on this a little bit. COVID has overtaken the news cycle. And whatever your opinion is on it, 
you know, and there are so many places across the spectrum. It hit me the other day, like how we've been denied so many news stories and information Mm. going on throughout the world. These, you know, other things, good, bad, and indifferent haven't gone away. And, you know, it's story after story after story after story after story of COVID. And I'm not saying we shouldn't you know, know what's happening. And although we should question a lot of the stuff that is being reported. Um, but what hit me was, gosh, how many prayers have been blocked, if you will, or not known to be prayed because we haven't heard these other things going mm. on. So I think in that sense, we need to be aware, you know, yes, always prayer, but we need to be an informed people. That is that is part of America. That mm. is part of the gift of the freedom that so many people have died for. Mm. And um, so, yeah, so those are random thoughts. Beautiful. I was very moved to say this as sort of a, I don't know, a summation of a lot of things happening in Afghanistan, the COVID stuff, the mandates, many families struggling with many different things. Tolerance of falsehood is intolerance of truth. We can't have it both ways. We don't exist to minimize the regime of slavery. We exist to build the kingdom. If we're not taking territory, territory is being taken. Now and for future generations, don't just hold the line. In Jesus Christ, be willing to sacrifice all. Move the line back with bold, loving vigilance, beginning with the souls of your spouse, children, family, and friends. Let's move into the theme of tonight, and I would punctuate it this way. Every aspect of our lives, all that we're speaking about, the tumult that we read about in the papers, see on TV, everything, brothers and sisters, that you're experiencing right now, it has the potentiality of being part of a custom designed retreat by God with the purpose of ever-deepening encounter with Him. Tonight, we're going to hear two very powerful homilies from our beloved pastor at St. Joan of Arc, Monsignor Borger. They're the past two homilies of this past weekend and the weekend prior. So look forward to that tonight in our conversation, but we want to just not hear those. We want to be formed by them. The fundamental disposition is one of hunger. Steph, I want to ask you the question, can you share maybe um, a significant retreat experience in your life and what difference it makes? When I was in college... um uh, Father Robert Levis, who some radio listeners mm. will recognize that name from uh, early days, early EWTN. days of EWTN with Father John uh, Tregilio, um, but just a solid, solid holy priest. Um, anyway, he asked me to gather some college friends and wanted to take us on this retreat. And um, so we went. There were probably 15, 20 of us, and he failed to tell us it was a silent retreat. <laughs> <laughs> Good so, for him. Smart. Right. But it would the the thing in which I ended up loving, um, but the one of the things that stood out to me was there was the place where we uh, had the retreat. It was somewhere in the hills of Pennsylvania that there was a hermit who was living at the uh, Such re- a fun name, hermit center. And I just remember seeing him in the chapel, like in the middle of the night with the little um, hood <laughs> from his habit. Do our hermits have hoods? I don't know. Is that a thing? It was really cool. But so for me at that time, that just struck me um, just the, 
uh, ability for that deep prayer. Mm. And um, so that would have been one of the first, like really profound, more than the fun Mm. 80s youth group retreats, which were great and certainly Mm -hmm. had their place. Um, Fast forward probably to tech. Um, I was not one who ever had like a like a super hardcore moment of, wow, this was the best, you know. Except when you met me. Exactly. But I'm talking about retreats. But just feeling blessed, thinking about these different retreat experiences, how the Lord, it was just like the tilling of the soil with grace-filled moments. Um, but we we did not have tech in our area in Pennsylvania at the time. We were exposed to it in Cleveland, which we've told this story before, but to trace it back, Greg's family. Let me pause you, Greg's family, just for our listeners who may not be familiar with it. It's three days. It's a Paschal mystery retreat. So Friday is typically something like die day, dying to ourselves, right? Uh, the next day is a, you know, uh, rise day, this sense of um, rising with Christ. And, and then the third day typically is something like go day, uh, sort of that Pentecost experience of going forth and proclaiming the gospel and doing this in a structured sort of way with the Eucharist and conversation and interactions and skits and very vibrant and dynamic. Sorry. So um, Greg's family experienced tech, which technically I think stood for Teens Encounter Christ, even Mm -hmm. though it was intergenerational. I know that this diocese has been blessed to have it here. It's only a high school thing here. So when Greg's family moved from Wisconsin to the Cleveland area, his mom and dad actually brought it with them and Mm -hmm. uh, started it in Cleveland that's where I made my tech with the hopes of bringing it to Erie, Pennsylvania at the request of Father Larry Richards and a dear friend, Diane Tui Gallagher. Mm-hmm. And then we were blessed to bring it back to Erie where it's now called Divine Mercy Encounter DME, right? Mm-hmm. I think of the different retreats that we've been blessed to lead, our marriage retreats, our mm-hmm. core mission retreats, where those have been profound experiences of prayer and conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the I'll end it with the a retreat that we were very blessed to lead, you and I together with um, Annie, our daughter, um, mm. was a part of also the first night, but it was a three-day Magnificat retreat. Shout out to Diane Dudenhofer and the lovely ladies, part of that beautiful ministry. Um, so we that retreat in particular, I think just was just a profound experience of what the Lord desires to give all of mm. us and how we discover that so uh, incredibly so through communal conversation and prayer and openness and um, vulnerability, if you will, and just the spirit was alive. So it was people coming together who really were open you know, to the Holy Spirit and and with great confidence in knowing that he wanted to give them us something so good and so beautiful, and we just need to show up. And so the Lord, we felt very um, blessed and anointed as his instruments, as we were ministered to, and I don't say that in a cliche way, mm-hmm. by these beautiful women. Um but just gosh, it was it was very palpable. Mm-hmm. Um what and and the theme was on the Trinity, and mm-hmm. so really experiencing the heart of the Father, really experiencing, you know, the the love of the Son, really experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit, and so just it really became an icon of living the Trinity. Mm-hmm. So, parable of the sower and the seeds, the impact of what we do at these events, 
is measured by measured a year down the road, five years down the road. So a few weeks ago, we were at the recording of uh, Joseph uh, Upper Room came in and is recording, you know, eight of 10 songs written, performed by Joseph at Damascus. And it was beautiful. It was a live recording worship experience. It is going to be released fairly soon. This internationally known worship group called Upper Room came in and recorded this. And uh, there were hundreds of kids there entering into this worship. And so it struck me Age 53 was my buddy, Joe Menkhouse, who's my age. Now, go back 30 years. We were at Miami of Ohio. We both were active in our tech program in Cleveland that my parents founded. Joe met his wife, Christy, there. Christy Voinovich, now Menkhouse. They have nine beautiful kids. They met there 30 years ago. And so now, again, fast forward 30 years. On this stage is Mary Sarah Menkhouse beautifully singing on the same stage with my son, Joseph. And the fact that, you know, God had a anointed and blessed our marriages, our families, 30 years down the road to see that, you know, reverberate through our own kids. This is what God desires. He desires more than just these moments in time that we connect at Crisio, Chirp, Ignite, whatever it may be. He wants us to be transformed in a way that causes us to be transformers, mainly in marriage and family. So now we're going to shift into the opportunity, if you will, for us, you and me listening right now, to take the step in making this happen, to take the step in reclaiming our marriages and our homes, that they can actually be atmospheres like that Crisio Chirper Tech, that the ordinary stuff of life can be part of a custom-designed retreat, God giving us a custom-designed retreat meant for ever-deepening encounter with Him. And the simple tool, go to ilovemyfamily.us, is something we call a Live It Gathering God. We're so excited that after six years of a weekly Live It video that our kids did, and we kept replaying them in the last three years, they were younger, but we'd cycle through them after the first three years because the church cycle goes in three years. We'd recycle them. Now we have brand new awesome stars who are doing like three-minute live it videos corresponding to the subsequent Sunday readings. And those awesome families are the Elmores, the Ericsons, the Hunterbrinkers, and the McDonough's. So if you go to ilovemyfamily.us, you're going to see the very first premiere episode of a livid video corresponding to Sunday readings featuring the Elmores. And they're also the Live It Gathering Guide. You can get this on your phone through an app you can find there. You can download it. You can see it online. What is this? Simply an occasion to bring your family together to connect in a meaningful way, to talk and pray based upon Sunday readings. And by the way, as I'm saying this, I realize it. It may be going in through one ear and out the other. There's not a single person who's listening to this right now who would say, gosh, I don't hunger for greater connectivity with my marriage and family. What distinguishes you, though, folks, from those who are really experiencing the vitality is making a decision. Through the next part of tonight, we want to encourage you to make the decisions. You're actually going to bring your family together in the next week for a, an opportunity to talk and pray. And to kind of, you know, make this come alive, as we said in the beginning, we're going to hear two homilies from our beloved pastor, Monsignor Borger, over the last two weeks. And because these gatherings are about forming us and being attuned to the subsequent Sunday gospel. So 
Here we go. We're going to begin each one with the proclamation of the gospel. Steph and I are then going to share a little bit about it from the Livic Gathering Guide. We're going to talk a little bit about it. And then we're going to actually hear, well, what does Monsignor Borger say about the gospel? You know, how is he specially anointed, which we believe of all priests? How is he speaking to our hearts, our minds, to our hunger, as we said? How is he feeding us with the word of everlasting life? Because he does powerfully in both instances. So come hungry. We're going to begin with uh, two weeks ago, we're going to hear this gospel proclaimed by our one of our beloved deacons, Deacon Ed Maher. Here we go. The Lord be with you. Amen. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Many of Jesus' disciples who were listening said, This saying is hard. Who can accept it? Since Jesus knew that his disciples were murmuring about this, he said to them, Does this shock you? What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life, while the flesh is of no avail. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. Jesus knew from the beginning the ones who would not believe and the one who would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by my Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. Jesus then said to the twelve, Do you also want to leave? Simon Peter answered him, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Good evening. If you're just tuning in, you're with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, Ignite Radio Live. And we just heard Deacon Ed Maher proclaim the gospel from two weeks ago. Really, it's the punctuation mark on that powerful Eucharistic discourse of John 6. Over the last weeks, we've been journeying in this very powerful encounter where the disciples are gathered around. Jesus has just, you know, multiplied the bread and he he kind of um, set all that a setting to really uh, talk about the Eucharist as his real body and blood. And if we don't partake of it, we have no life within us. And uh, Deacon Maher pronounces then this gospel from John 6. You know, this saying is hard. Who can accept it? We find, interestingly enough, in the numbers, John 6, chapter 6, uh, verse 66. So you got a 666 in there. They departed him. So if you go to our Live It Gathering guide, one of the key questions that we ask uh, is what struck you, challenged you, inspired you? What questions did it raise? And again, we've been doing this Livic gathering with our family for many, many years, many families united in doing this in advance before that Sunday. So it, you know, first of all, the gospel alone speaks to us, right? But then to engage your family members and ask that simple question that can carry a meaningful conversation. And now I'm going to ask my beloved theologically astute wife, Steph, yes. what struck you, challenged you, inspired you? What questions did it raise? So I already heard Monsignor's homily. <laughs> Pretend you didn't. So I won't. I won't steal any of his thunder. Um, no, I, the line that always stands out for me, and it seems even heavier this year round, um, 
is that John 6, 66, as a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. Just I feel like, gosh, like how many times do I do that, you know, in ordinary life, you know, in different um, ways where I fall short in virtue and grace. And, you know, it just, mm. just get, you know, just kind of that where I don't see it like that, right? But it's it's easy to become mediocre or apathetic apathetic or oh i'll do that later or yeah. you know just some of those different things but just gosh like i don't know if it sounds silly having a heart for christ but he's pouring himself out he's performing miracles mm. he's um you know just talked about his flesh you know being mm. real food just his hunger and thirst to feed and nourish us and um and just to be, you know, met with such apathy mm. and disbelief and disregard. And yeah, that was nice. We liked all this fun stuff. But now, you know, um, and I love the word accompany, mm. you know, to to be beside somebody to walk mm -hmm. with. Um, it's a little different than just following. Like, I feel like it's more of a relational um, word. Um, so that, that hits me hard too, mm -hmm. you know, in that and gosh, and then Simon Peter, our first Pope, you know, being the first one to speak up and just that, you know, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, you know? So just that, you know, encouragement of, you know, no matter how crazy things get around us, no matter how, um, perhaps hard we can be on ourselves no matter no matter how we fall in that relationship with the lord you know to just seize and proclaim that truth of you know you are it like there is nobody mm -hmm. else there is nothing else you are my all mm -hmm. and so just kind of that encouragement amidst that like ah oh. so absolutely with you on all that and what's really powerful is that Jesus is speaking to the hunger of every human person who's ever existed. I'll say it again. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity who made us for himself, Colossians 1, he fashioned us of the fabric of the nature of God, that we have a hunger within us, and that hunger impels us to his provision, that poverty impels us to his provision. And so what's the twofold hunger? I think we have a hunger to be loved, and a hunger to love. Regardless of whatever unique things that define you and me who are listening right now, we all share, and every person who has ever existed shares this fundamental, existential, deep hunger to be loved and to love. And in response to this poverty, this hunger, Jesus gives us none other than himself. He gives us himself, certainly spiritually, because the body and soul are connected, right, so intimately. But he gives us his body, right, a physical way of connecting with him, the sacraments, right, that literally we believe Jesus is present from the very beginning, from the very uh, first Eucharist, the Last Supper, that um, his body and his blood are real flesh and real food. And when we connect with that deep hunger to be loved and to love for intimacy, if we only understood that, would we not seek to receive him more often? Not simply every Sunday, but every day. You know, some of us maybe sit back and see people go to daily mass. We're like, man, 
You know, I don't get that piety. I just, you know, it's boring or I get other things to do or, you know, along those lines. But what they see is I've got a lot to do. I have a lot of important things in my life, but I have a, I am hungry to be loved and to love and to be intimately united with the one who made me for himself. Now, that's important, I think, and I think we need to punctuate this also, Steph, is because Monsignor um, really in this homily addressed the second reading. And you and we do have that as part of the Lit Gathering Guide, the first reading, the second reading, and of course, the gospel. And in particular, the second reading is the difficult reading that many people don't like to hear proclaimed of Ephesians 5. You want to say something about that? Because that really struck us. That moved you to say, in fact, we really have to playback Monsignor's homily because he dealt with Ephesians 5 so well. Well, that's exactly what I was just going to say. So, yes. So, you know, kind of one of those um, homilies where you're just wanting to, like, nod through the whole thing and shout your amens and clap at the end. Um, but it is a difficult passage. And um, Which part? So, Ephesians 5... Um, I think it starts at verse 21, but it's the it's the one that everyone tries to avoid, right? It's the, you know, wives be submissive to your husband. You know, what did our we old We chose pastor, this for our wedding, and did. I think you were besmirched by <laughs> some was, little I was. I got ladies. reprimanded by some people. <laughs> um, but the uh, our old pastor back in Erie, PA, called it the elbow ribbing or the sore ribs uh, gospel. Mm. Um Reading? Yeah. So anyway, uh, reading, yes. Um, so what does anyway, it say? What's the challenging, difficult thing that people recoil against today? Well, they, they misinterpret it. They what mis- does it say? So brothers and sisters, be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives should be subordinate to their husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of his wife, just as Christ is head of the church. And then it goes on. Um I don't know what else you want me to touch on. I think most of our listeners would be familiar with this, but it's 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 a reading that is either, and I think Monsignor might even mention this, either skipped over or the short form chosen or, you know, just, okay, they read it. I don't need to preach on it. But the fact that he so beautifully um, delved into it and really uh, just explained it and more than explained it, but showed us the the beauty and the grace in it properly understood because it is so often misinterpreted. And so, um, yes. So after hearing it, when we got in the car, I'm like, it would be so great to if we had his permission, which we did get, you know, to play this on the radio show because so many people need to hear it. And obviously, part of um, our mission is family, right? That is our mission. You know, marriages and family, families become who you are. Mm. Civilization goes by way of the family, you know, imaging the Trinity, the whole thing. And what he speaks of so beautifully is men being the leaders in the house mm. and what that means. And so, and, and the importance of the domestic church and home life. And so just, I'm like, we, you know, let's, let's talk about the lit guide again. And so I, I echo your challenge, Greg, to go to ilovemyfamily.us, you know, dads, husbands, gentlemen of the jury, <laughs> like <laughs> bring it on, set up the time, lead this. It's a great guide to get you started. You know, we're just, hitting the um, 
the mass readings, but there are other components also that really help to foster a relational aspect of family life that is so missing that helps in those things that we talked about, you know, from retreat to retreat to retreat. Um, So what a beautiful way to take charge of your home, to make it that place of encounter. It doesn't have to be perfect. God is perfect. God's grace is perfect. You just need to show up, you know, and trust that he's doing something and that he will honor that commitment and just bless it. So, so yes, that is why we chose, you know, to, to air this homily um, and just ask you to, in fact, you know, Holy Spirit, come and just open the hearts of all those who are ready to listen right now. Just allow them to be open to all that you desire to give and to soften any hardness, to heal any wounds that may be there preventing um, just that grace that you wish to establish in a home with the proper order of, you know, that spiritual leadership and of wives you know, just honoring their husbands and husbands as the reading continues, you know, to love your wives as Christ loved the church, which means to die. And so, Lord, we just ask a blessing upon all those listening and just ask your spirit to go before them to um, open their hearts and to receive what you desire. Let's be blessed now by Monsignor Borger's homily. This saying is hard. Who can accept it? That's how the gospel passage began. What is the hard saying? We would have heard it last Sunday, except it was the Feast of the Assumption. So here is the hard seating, the hard teaching, which precedes our gospel. Jesus said, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. This is the hard saying, and sadly, some of the disciples of Jesus depart and go back to their former way of life. Admittedly, anyone who heard Jesus' words for the first time in his great discourse on the bread of life, they would have struggled to understand it, surely. But fortunately, St. Peter and the others did not leave Jesus, and they remembered his words. We here, we benefit from 2,000 years of the Church's deepening understanding of the Eucharist, which we know and we experience that we are truly nourished by the body and blood of the Lord, Our ability to understand and express the mystery of the Eucharist has developed and become more precise down through the centuries. But our basic faith has always been the same. The Eucharist is Christ. The Eucharist is no mere symbol. Commentators often point out that Jesus did not modify or take back his words when some began to leave him. He did not say, wait, I was only speaking symbolically or metaphorically. Rather, he stressed that his words were spirit and life, and he called people to believe in him. Hard sayings are challenging, and it should not surprise us that the ways of God often would transcend us, of course. Someone has said that the mountains that are hardest to climb 
are the ones that give you the greatest and most beautiful view at the top. And so in a way today, let's climb a hard mountain, take on the hard teachings, and perhaps the Lord will help us to see something, a beautiful vista about what he wants to do for us and what he gives us. Jesus' teaching on the bread of life, though a hard teaching, yields and uncovers a most beautiful gift. It's the gift of himself, the Holy Eucharist. So like St. Peter, we stick with Jesus. In this world, to whom else shall we go? There is another hard teaching in today's gospel, in today's readings. I suspect you noticed it. The hard teaching was in the second reading, St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, right? Be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives should be subordinate to their husbands as to the Lord. In today's culture, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And I know some people cringe when they hear it. They urge the priest, read the shorter version, or don't read it at all. (laughs) But perhaps if we make the hard climb up the mountain, perhaps we will look out and begin to see something beautiful and a gift from God. The first sentence of that passage from St. Paul is his theme. It's the overall theme as he leads into his little exhortation. He says, be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to all of us, whether we're married or not. Be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. The Greek word translated as subordinate can also be translated as defer to or to be subject to, out of reverence for Christ. It's important we not miss that last part of the sentence, out of reverence for Christ. As followers of Jesus, all of us are to love Christ by our care and our love for one another. We do this precisely by imitating him, by imitating Christ. Perhaps a good modern dynamic translation for Paul's theme would be this. With Christ-like humility, seek to serve one another. In doing so, you reverence Christ who is in your midst. In doing so, you serve Christ in your brothers and your sisters. Of course, this task, this call, is found especially in a Christian home, in a Christian marriage, Christian family. If you read St. Paul carefully, you will see in his hard saying that Paul does expect and exhort husbands to show spiritual leadership in the family. But it is to be Christ-like leadership. He makes this clear. I would imagine that most wives would be supportive of this and would appreciate it. It's not about lording it over anyone. We remember Jesus' words about worldly leaders, what he says. Then he turns to his disciples and said, it shall not be that way with you. In the New Testament, authority and headship, power, they draw their meaning from Jesus and his example. The Jesus who came to serve and not to be served. 
Jesus, the good shepherd, who laid down his life for his flock. Jesus, the bridegroom, who lays down his life for his bride, the church. And so in this hard saying, this passage from St. Paul, he's encouraging wives to let your husbands love you as Christ loves. Let your husbands love you and care for the family in this Christ-like way. Husbands are to be spiritual leaders, servant leaders, an example of Jesus himself. This is a hard teaching, hard teaching for the husband. If we're listening carefully to the whole passage, we see that part of the hard teaching of St. Paul is precisely his words to husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and handed himself over for her. We know how Christ loved his bride, the church. Paul says this is all a great mystery. The word mystery here means not a problem to be solved or something we cannot begin to understand. Mystery here means this is a way the presence and the grace of God is experienced. Down through the centuries, that word mystery in Greek was translated into Latin as Sacramentum, a sacrament. A sacrament is an outward sign of an inner grace. Christian marriage is a sacrament. On this earth, it's to be a reflection of the heavenly marriage of Christ, the bridegroom, and his bride, the church. For Christ loved her and gave himself up for her. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And he is faithful to us in his love. The Lord has called you to this holy sacrament, this sacred vocation. Then by all means, stay close to the Lord that you might know his grace and his strength. And there's no better way to receive the grace and the strength of the Lord Jesus than to receive him in the Eucharist where the bridegroom feeds his bride, the church by giving us himself, his body, his blood. This is a hard saying. Who can accept it? Hard sayings are not necessarily bad, especially if they're from the Lord. They challenge us. They stretch us. But perhaps they help us to see more deeply and more clearly through the eyes of the Lord. They help us to see the Lord's ways, which are not the ways of the world. And they help us to see the gifts that Jesus wants to share with us. The gift of himself in the Eucharist. For many, the gift of holy matrimony. For all of us, the gift of Jesus with us in our midst. And the great gift of being his disciples. Lord, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Or in the words of Joshua, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. May this be the prayer of our families and our parish family this day. So extraordinarily blessed, very, very moved at the gift of the priesthood, the gift of the Eucharist, the gift of a community 
So we don't just receive Holy Communion, we're called to live it out by becoming Holy Community. I invite any of you who are listening right now, and maybe you're on the sidelines of coming to church uh, for whatever reason, Join us at St. Joan of Arc. I mean, marvelous pastors everywhere at our churches throughout this region. We are truly blessed by a godly, holy bishop and by very good priests everywhere. But I just want to personally invite you, check out St. Joan of Arc. Join us for Mass this coming Saturday or Sunday. Now, Steph, let's turn to the reading uh, this past weekend to the Gospel, and let's hear Deacon Larry proclaim the Gospel, followed by some conversation. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. When the Pharisees, with some scribes who had come from Jerusalem, gathered around Jesus, they observed that some of his disciples ate their meals with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees, and in fact all Jews, Do not eat without carefully washing their hands, keeping the tradition of the elders. And on coming from the marketplace, they do not eat without purifying themselves. And there are so many other things that they have traditionally observed, the purification of cups and jugs and kettles and beds. So the Pharisees and scribes questioned him, Why do your disciples not follow the tradition of the elders, but instead eat a meal with unclean hands. He responded, Well did Isaiah the prophesy about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines human precepts. You disregard God's commandments, but cling to human tradition. He summoned the crowd again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that enters from one outside can defile the person, but the things that come out from within are what defile. From within, people from their hearts come evil thoughts, unchastity, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, licentiousness, envy, blasphemy, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from within, and they defile. The Gospel of the Lord. Gosh, what a challenge. Man, um, limitations of time right now, so can't say a whole lot. But imagine yourself gathered with your family, with your spouse, with some friends mm. to be able to unpack this mm. and and just to go there. You know, I think of real quick, you know, just a, a actually some of my most profound retreats, if I could jump back to before, just uh, blessed every year to go on a silent women's retreat Um and just so profound. But I remember one of those times where our awesome retreat leader, Father Nick, um, spoke of like, you know, this being in this hotel room where everything was so beautiful and, you know, tidy and, you know, top line of everything and um, dropped something and looked under the bed to find it. And there were so many dust bunnies, <laughs> like mm. everywhere. So kind of the whole idea of this gospel, like we can show the world, you know, this image that we want to from the outside, mm. but what really 
is under there that needs to be cleaned out. And Monsignor does a marvelous job talking about that. And I want you to listen to it, too, with the with the ears of what are these other activities that we're involved in, whether it be at church or, you know, just everywhere else. And how is it transforming, you know, what's really most important internally? Who cares about the exteriors? Let's listen to Monsignor's homily. This is the time of summer that we are especially, I think, enjoying the fruits of the earth, the gardens, the orchards, the farms. Even I went to a nearby market this week, this past week, and bought real tomatoes, real tomatoes, zucchini, peaches, apples, lettuce, these good fruits of the earth. And then there's one that's always challenged me, and that's watermelon. Because even given my age, I've never figured out how do I know if the watermelon is any good. I go into the store and I watch people. They pick up the watermelon. Many of them thump the watermelon. So I do that too. I thump it. I don't know what I'm listening for. (laughs) And so it ends up like I pick one up and I go, well, let's hope this is good inside. And I go home and I, I find out. Our readings today, in a way, are about not watermelons, but we human beings and how the external things, the things outside, in a way, have to line up what's inside. The external should be in harmony with the internals. What's on the surface should reflect what's deep down. And that's important for us. It's easy for us human beings, of course, to get stuck on the externals and the superficial, what's on the surface, the physical appearance of things. It's easy for us to give lip service, as we say, or to go through the motions and not, in a way, really have our heart into something. In terms, even here at Mass, you know, we can attend Mass, but that doesn't really mean we've prayed, right? We can physically be here, but what about inside of us? We can even receive Holy Communion, the greatest privilege of being a Catholic. But if our heart's not open, if we don't pray after receiving the Lord, we'll lose, in a way, any opportunity for the grace of that sacrament to have an effect in our lives. The Gospel today mentioned a number of Jewish kosher laws, practices that was observed in Jesus' day. It was... It was about the physical, external things of washing of hands, cleansing of cups and jugs. This is not about hygiene. This is about something else. And these these practices were not bad in themselves at all. In fact, they developed over the centuries to remind people of who they were. They were God's chosen people, and they were called to live lives that brought honor and glory to God. And they were to make sure their lives were clean and purified. They were the chosen people. And so they, throughout the day, by these practices, they were being reminded of this and that they were to give glory to God who had brought them out of Egypt. They were to live holy lives, to be holy as God is holy. So these external practices, they weren't, they weren't bad in themselves. In fact, the externals, in a way, can help shape and form what's inside But, of course, you can't just stop at the surface or the external. What's in the heart 
and by that we mean the core of the human person, that is ultimately what matters, and that's what Jesus was getting to. The external should reflect the internal. They should be in harmony. That's why St. James, in the second reading, urges us, be doers of the word, not just hearers. Welcome the word that's been planted in you, he says, so that word can influence and shape you inside, and let that then flow outward. And so, we are to make sure the external and the internal kind of fit together. In the gospel, Jesus, quoting the prophet Isaiah, warns us, he said, be careful about honoring God only with your lips when your hearts are far from the Lord. And so today's readings, in a way, do us a great favor, and they're urging us, in a way, you know, keep an eye on your heart, the spiritual core of who you are, Human nature being what it is, and it's a fallen human nature due to original sin, it's easy for the heart to be divided, even to become a bit of a battleground. Temptation's there, and we have all kinds of things coming at us. And so we have to be alert to it and keep an eye on it and take good care of it with the Lord as our partner. In the Gospel, Jesus listed a whole series of, of evils. That was quite a list. There was 13 things I counted. He says, these things originate in the heart. And therefore, how important is we keep an eye on what's in the heart. Think about how easy it is. If, if somehow we feel we've been treated unfairly, how we can hold, hold on to that. And then it begins to fester inside and anger grows and we lose all sense of peace and bad things happen. So we have to keep an eye and take care of our heart. It even can be likened to like a garden, speaking of fruits. If our heart is like a garden, and if it's left unchecked and unattended to, and then it quickly can turn into weeds, right? And it chokes off the good plants and the good fruit. So therefore, we should be vigilant. Keep an eye on what's inside. The sacrament of penance is very helpful with this, when you think about it. People who go to confession regularly, that's what they're doing anyway. With God's help, they're keeping an eye on what's in their heart, and they experience cleansing from the Lord's mercy, and it helps them to be merciful and compassionate with others. If St. Paul was here, we didn't hear from him this morning, but if St. Paul was here, he would also talk about what God wants to do for us in our hearts. He would say, the love of God has been poured out into your hearts by the gift of the Holy Spirit that you have received. He would remind us that in that heart, which can be divided, which can be, in a way, a battleground, God, the great gardener himself, pours out his love through the Holy Spirit into our hearts. And that is our hope, and that is where we find our confidence. In fact, in Paul's letter to the Galatians, he lists nine fruits of the Spirit. You may have learned this when you prepared for confirmation. Nine fruits of the Spirit, fruits that are possible to be found and can emerge from our hearts by the working of God's grace. You may recognize these. The nine fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We certainly could use a lot of this, couldn't we, in our lives and in the world. Jesus had the long list of the evils that can come from the heart, but with the gift of his spirit, there can be good fruit in our hearts that help and shape and influence our world. If it's hard to know what's in a watermelon, it's even harder to know another person's heart. We'll leave that to God. But we can look at our own heart with God's help and his light, and we can see this is the place where God wants to be found. And by the grace of baptism, the Spirit dwells there. And that Spirit is always available. The love of God is always ready to be welcomed into our hearts. And through the gift of the Spirit, with God's help, we bear good fruit for our families and our parish and our loved ones. This is the goodness of God, the great gardener. This is the goodness of our Savior who comes to us in this way. So let's welcome him this morning at this Mass with our hearts open and may our lips reflect what is in our hearts today. Gratitude to God, praise and honor to him who loves us in this way. What an amazing challenge Monsignor gives us and an invitation really to live more vibrantly the truth that we profess. And isn't that what it's really all about? It's easy to profess the things we know, we've been taught, to be in these special places and special times with special people where it rolls off our tongues and there's no threat, there's no pushback, we don't have to worry about what people think. But the real challenge is when we're with people who may not agree, right? It's when we're in Walmart or it's when we're, you know, with people in our business or our work or in our schools or our circumstances where we're called to radiate the truth externally corresponding to our inner reality. So that integrity. So we're going to land right now, but I do want to encourage you just bring that hunger to the faith that God gives us poured out in our church through the sacraments, through the word of God, certainly through Sunday Mass, overflowing into everyday life. And that's why really we exist at ilovemyfamily.us to really kind of make this tremendous gift of liturgy that God gives us, this ultimate adventure, this ultimate retreat, to make it accessible in our marriages and families. So go to ilovemyfamily.us this week Take a chance. Commit to 45 minutes with your family to talk and pray based upon this Sunday readings and receive the grace, receive the encouragement, receive the healing that it's all about. And I do want to extend to those of you a free evening that has been very powerful for the last few months called Belief and Beverages Night. The next one is September 16th, and uh, we have a phenomenal, world-renowned Tolkien scholar speaking on the theme... Uh, what is the theme? It's today's battle for Middle Earth. What a great theme. Uh, Patron Saints Brewery is going to have some beverages on hand. It begins at 630 GMC of Erie. Grateful to the Cronins for... Of Perrysburg. Of Perrysburg. <laughs> I'm going back to our old city. GMC of Perrysburg. So grateful to the Cronins for hosting this. So September 16th, check it out. Register at massimpact.us forward slash BNB. And something else I just want to add that really hit me hard was the need for my recommitment to pray for those that I get angry with in regards to the Mm. political world, in regards to Afghanistan, you know, that my 
prayer and sacrifice. And I encourage you guys who are listening to do the same. Mm. We need to be vigilant in praying for the salvation of their souls also. Mm. And, you. you know, so we can you know, channel some of that energy, or I'm sorry, anger, and, you know, offer it up. The Lord desires their salvation just as much as ours. The Lord loves the Taliban and ISIS and mm. the party that we may disagree with tremendously across the board, or Fauci or whomever. Mm. Like, we are called to so pray good. and sacrifice for them. So that is something else that the Lord has really convicted me of this past week. Folks, you're tuned into Ignite Radio Live. So blessed that you're along this journey, this great adventure, that we share this retreat that God makes available to us through the liturgy, right? It's the good of every human person to connect with our unsurpassed nature, sons and daughters of God and Jesus Christ. I'll say it again, unsurpassed. Whatever other identities are competing for us, and that's what advertising is all about. God revealed our nature in Jesus, unsurpassed, sons and daughters of God in Jesus Christ. And that's what the church is all about, revealing to us that nature, giving us the grace to live it, describing and forming us in that, and we get to live it every moment of every day. Revival is wherever you are. It's in this very moment. And uh, gosh, there's nothing more powerful around us that surpasses what God wants to do with us and in us, our marriages and families. Join us in this great adventure at ilovemyfamily.us. Until next time, God bless you. my soul